We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Welcome back. Uh, along with me is TJ Inman and Matt Weaver of Peaks.com and 247 Sports. I'm Sammy Jacobs. We're recapping Indiana's phenomenal recruiting class that uh, ended up, I think it's rated 18th in the country right now. Uh, a ton of transfers coming in as well. Uh, basically, a, a lot of new faces coming into this. So uh, we'll go over that and more. Um, TJ, we'll start with you. How, how are you doing? And then what's your reaction to this recruiting class? Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. And, and thanks, Matt, for being on with us. Uh, my reaction is that I think IU has done a phenomenal job filling uh, some roster deficits and I think really adjusting. I mean, what stands out to me is the defensive line, uh, which they needed help at. And I think they've gotten that both for the present. Uh, you know, coming season and for the future. And then the speed on offense. I think that that is a major thing that IU has lacked for a couple of seasons is that speed and explosiveness on offense. Uh, and I think they've addressed that at, uh, at the running back and wide receiver positions, um, you know, depending on how you want to classify a couple different guys, but particularly Sean Shivers, Javon Lucas, um, and then Cameron Perry as well, just bringing a speed and explosiveness dimension that this IU offense has lacked. I think they're going to fit really well in Walt Bell's offensive system. Um, honestly, those are the two areas of the class that I'm really excited about. And then the, the three offensive linemen they brought in, we know that's an area of need, and those guys are, are going to need to step up sooner rather than later uh, and help that position group. Um, but offensive line tends to be not a not a position you can step in and play right away, whereas I think a lot of the guys on the offensive side of the ball, skill position-wise, they're going to be asked to play right away. Yeah, Matt, let's go to you. What, what's your reaction on this, on this recruiting class? And I think the big question for me is, how did Tom Allen and his staff keep this class together despite going 2-10 and 10 and winless in the Big Ten in 2021? Um, yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me, guys. Um, appreciate it. You know, I, I was I did a the day after the signing day, I did a radio show and I said this would have been a really good class after a 10 and 2 season. After a 2 and 10 season, it's almost an unbelievable class um, to finish where they did. I just think they did a good job of, um, you know, they, they do a good job of developing relationships. And I say this all the time, not that other schools don't, but I just think they do a really good job of getting to know not only the kid, but his family, his parents his siblings, if he has any grandma, grandpa, girlfriend, whatever it may be. And they just really, you know, they get that family atmosphere embedded with these guys. And I think, you know, it, that's where they, they just become really 
um, connected to the program. You know, and the one guy they did lose, Josh Hoover, actually, I would have said he was a guy that I didn't think they would lose if I had if I had to pick. He wouldn't have been one of my first three or four guys. But, you know, it was it was a tough loss, but they, they kept everybody else together. Not only did they keep them together, but they added to it with some really good pickups down the stretch run and in and, and the last few days and even on signing day um, to uh, get this class to what you said. I think it was 18th uh, overall and I believe fourth in the Big Ten. So, you know, kudos to Tom Allen. I've said it before. If this program with, the, with this coaching staff can win consistently, I think top 20, 25 recruiting classes will become the norm because these guys can really recruit. It starts at the top with Tom Allen. He's a very good recruiter. Um, but the assistants do the legwork, and they do a great job with that. And once they get guys on campus, they're closing their closing um, um, percentage is pretty high. You know, maybe not Mariano Rivera high, but still pretty good. Yeah, well, more more men have landed and stepped on the moon than have scored earned runs against Mariano <laughs> Rivera in the postseason. So it's a it's a high bar to set there, um, Matt the big question on everybody's mind is the quarterback position. You mentioned Josh Hoover. Um, there are some people who thought he would come in and, and save the program and start right away. Uh, you know, it looks like Jack Tuttle's coming back. It looks like McCauley's back. You have Dexter Williams coming back off a, off an injury and Grant Grimmel played okay in, in his limited time. Um, where does IU go with the quarterback position, we saw Tanner Bailey head to Oregon. Uh, we've seen some transfer portal targets sign elsewhere. Um, do you move to the 2023 class and who might be that transfer portal guy coming to Bloomington? Um, yeah, well, yeah, they went Bailey actually, he was that with Oregon, he went to South Carolina. Oh, South, um, yeah, South Carolina. Yeah. And, and I understood what they did. I think, I think what they did there in that last week is they pushed all their, their chips, you know, forward on Bailey, which I would have done too. They got in on him, they got him to visit and they went all in on him and it didn't work out. It's the way it goes. It was disappointing. Um, you know, the, the transfer names, obviously Cameron Ward has come out as somebody IU has offered. Um, I've heard they've reached out to Emory Jones from Florida. Um, although that's kind of weird. I think he's going in the portal, but he's staying with Florida until, um, after their bowl game. So I'm not sure how that works. If you can still contact them, um, I guess you can, um, but I'm not exactly, I know there's interest there. So I shouldn't say they've reached out, but I know there's interest. And then Miles Brennan, they had interest in, but obviously he decided to stay at LSU. No other new names have come up, but I, you know, names will emerge this year. There's a new visit period. It's the first week of January, basically like right before the first week of classes, the NCAA has allowed schools to bring guys in. And basically this is specifically designed for mid-year guys. And really it's probably mainly for transfers. It's, this is for transfers who are still out there after, especially after bowl games who, who go into the portal. It gives them a few days to try to transfer and get enrolled at a new school. So you'll see some guys, um, I would think uh, names pop up who will visit that week as far as the quarterback, you know, who the quarterback will be in 2022 for Indiana. I, I don't know. Right now, if they started the season, it would most likely be Jack Tuttle. But, you know, I, Tom Allen, when I asked him at signing day, was very emphatic. It wasn't like we're going to try to get a high school guy in the transfer. He said, we will get a transfer and a high school prospect. For me, I would take a high school prospect if you like him, but I wouldn't take one just to take one. I think if you get a transfer, your yeah. quarterback numbers are okay. And I think if you can't find a guy you really like in 22, then go all out on 23 to get your guy. Um, because if you take a quarterback and you can't play, you've just basically tied up a roster spot. You can't play him anywhere else, unless there are some really great athletes. 
but more than likely they only play quarterback and you're kind of stuck with a guy that really can't help you for the next few years. I know they could leave with the portal and all that, but the bottom line is if you're not 100% convinced on a guy, I would not roll the dice. Is this something where they need the transfer to come into spring? Because that, that was my thinking with Tanner Bailey is if, you know, he's a guy who comes in for fall, he, he's going to sit in 2022. Because we saw what happened with uh, with Donovan McCulley without a, a full spring practice and things like that, where, you know, given the injuries to, to Penix and um, Dexter Williams, he would have gotten a lot of reps. All right. If they get a 2022 high school kid, is it going to be – well, it can't be somebody who, who comes in early, right, since that early signing period's over? Or can they yeah, sign I, in February and come well, what, in early? Well, what, what high school guys can do is if they don't sign a letter of intent, and this is the way it used to be when they would – before the early signing period, when you had high school guys graduate early, they would sign scholarship papers. And basically what that means is that binds the school to the kid, but not the kid in the school. So a kid could sign scholarship papers with five different schools. You can only sign one letter of intent, but you could sign with, but then whatever school you show up at and, and attend class in, then you are then bound to that school. So you could do that with a high school kid that's out there. If he could, if he's able to, he was able to graduate early. But I think, I think the reason why they probably, I don't want to say delayed, but why they weren't as um, aggressive with transfers before the signing period is because I, they knew about this, this one week kind of you know visit period where they could bring in transfers and still get them into school you'll have time to get them in get them enrolled in classes and get started with the team so it, that gave you a little bit and, and you want to try to find your high school guy if possible in the early signing period it didn't work out that way there's still time to do that but yeah any 22 guy and josh hoover as good as he was in my opinion unless you brought in uh zach kitley and put in the air raid offense i'm not sure he was a guy that was and i think he's got a lot of talent but I mean, I bring that up because that's what he ran in high school. If you brought basically brought in the offense he ran in high school, I don't know that he was going to compete right away for the starting job. I think he would have competed for a backup job. But to ask a kid like that to come in and play in the Big Ten is tough, even as a mid-year guy. I think that's going to be tough. I mean, you see TCU got him, and they're still recruiting transfers. So they're trying to get Casey Thompson from Texas. So obviously, you know, you, you want to have as much depth there as you possibly can, but make sure it's quality depth and guys who can play for you. Matt, who else? Um, it sounds like IU still has some some spots open, uh, especially with the pandemic math going on. Who else might IU target to to bring in to shore up this class? Uh, what positions? Well, I think they'll definitely still look for. I could see them adding another D end or two. Um, I think they'd like to add another bowl or two. Um, you know, they, they got Miles Jackson is, has told, has scheduled a visit. His is um, January 5th to the 7th. I believe he's coming in that mid, he's a mid-year guy uh, transfer from UCLA. He's from Georgia originally, and he's, you know, good fit for that bowl position. Um, you know, as far as other guys who are visiting that week, I, I don't know at this time, but I expect there to be more guys. I mean, you look at positions, I mean, running back, you're done tight end. You're done. I can see them taking another wide receiver, obviously quarterback we've talked about. You know, I think a D tackle, you're probably done. But like I said, another DN, a bull linebacker, I think you're done. And then in the secondary, you're probably okay there as well. So um, to me, it's basically what, you know, receiver, quarterback, and then the edge position. TJ, any questions for Matt? Yeah, I, Matt, looking at the something I mentioned a bit earlier, the, the speed part, uh, that they've added in offense. That certainly does appear to be a focus 
for Indiana, Tom Allen specifically mentioned, you know, we don't want to have to be forced to go on these, you know, 13 play drives for 75 yards uh, and worry about being perfect on offense. They, they understand they've got to have some home run hitters, if you will. Uh, of the, the offensive skill players that Indiana brought in, is it, do you think it's fair to say that IU expects a lot of these guys to play early in Walt Bell's offense? I think absolutely, TJ. And I think obviously with the transfers, that's the whole go goal. So, you know, Sean Shivers, you're expecting him to come in. Josh Henderson, you know, Shivers really gives you home run potential. You watch his highlights on Auburn and, you know, he, he gives you that big playability. I, I like Henderson. He may not be as big play, but I think he's a good, solid, dependable back. Um, the guy that really excites me, you mentioned uh, when you started, is Jalen Lucas. Indiana has nobody like this on the roster that has the quickness, as Tom Allen talked about, the short area quickness to make guys miss, but then also the long speed. I mean, Tevin Coleman had long speed, but he wasn't a, he wasn't going to make guys miss. He just ran past them. You know, Marcus Stigman back in the day, you know, was like that as well. This uh, Jalen Lucas, to me, has a chance to really come in and impact. Him coming in mid-year is huge. That, that, to me, is a big, big deal to get him in. You know, and you may get him touches, not just at running back. Maybe you line him up at slot. Maybe you use him on jet sweeps. Just get the ball in his hands as much as much as you can in space and then let him do what he does best. So, yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, um, these guys, you mentioned Cameron Perry. That's another guy. He's, you know, he may he may need a little bit more time as a receiver. He's not coming in mid-year. But there's really, other than DJ Matthews, there's nobody like this on the roster. He kind of reminds me of a Shane Wynn type. And, you know, we all remember how, how dynamic Shane Wynn was when he got the ball in space and they got him the ball in certain areas. So I, I agree. I, you can have too many 6-2 receivers. And, and Indiana has recruited yep. too many of those guys. They, needed, they need a little bit more variety at receiver. They need, I mean, listen, Mitchell Page, I know he was a walk-on, was one of their best receivers at the end of his career because he was a quicker guy who could get, who could get open over the middle of the field and make those kind of catches. Indiana doesn't really have anybody like that right now. And these guys, and some of the guys they're bringing in, I think really help rectify that problem. Yeah, and, and two more players that, or positions, if you will, that I wanted to touch on quickly. Um, I think that Brody Foley was a very big addition to this class. Uh, late flip from Tennessee that Indiana was able to get. And they, they really sold him, uh, it, it would seem, based on you know, your articles and conversations with him. Uh, it seems like they sold him on his fit within Walt Bell's offense. When I watch him and then I watch Walt Bell's offense and what we think that's going to be, I, did, did they envision kind of that H-back uh, slash tight end role for him where um, really Walt Bell lines his tight ends up all over the place? Um, is that kind of the role that Brody Foley has envisioned to have? And, and do you think that that's a player that could step into that type of uh, role right away? And then also on defense, it's tougher to break into the defense uh, because I think that I use returning a lot of really quality guys there. Um, who stands out outside of McCullough uh, as a player that you think can have an impact fairly early on that side of the ball? Well, as far as Brody Foley, if I'm not mistaken, I want to, I believe when he first started, he was actually kind of a running back and he kind of just kept growing. So he eventually grew into a tight end. So I think that's a role that he could do. Um, he seems like he's an athletic guy. He's got, obviously now he's got great size. I think he's around six, five, six, six. Um, Brian Miller the same way, but I, you know, in, in today's football, 
I think he could be like, you know, and I know Henderson didn't play H back, but they moved Henderson all around as a receiver, as a blocker. And I think that's what you could do with the Brody Foley. I think he's a guy that could be a real weapon. And, and um, in this offense, I think Ryan Miller is a guy that can do some of the same things. I mean, he played wide receiver at his high school in Ohio some too. Um, as far as your question about guys who can impact on defense outside of McCullough um, at, um, at DB, you know, James Mons is coming in mid-year. You've lost Reese Taylor. Now you've got some other guys there, but this is a guy, his junior year, um, he was thrown on 10 times. He had nine pass breakups and interception. Um, you know, senior year, he basically gave up nothing. Um, what's interesting to me about him is he played soccer. He scored 21 goals as a junior in high school. So obviously you know, the, the foot, the, the footwork that is there, that kind of stuff is there. He's got to get bigger. But I think he's a guy that could come in and really maybe work his way in. Jamari Sharp, I'm not saying he's going to come in and play right away, but to me, he's really intriguing. Six one corners who have this track speed yep. that he has, you, those are hard to find. Now, if, you know, you got to see if he does, he has the hip, the, the hips, the flip, and, you know, or, or does he end up at safety? But if you can keep him at corner, those are, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be this, but those are NFL characteristics, at least physically, six one and that kind of speed. So, um, you know, Isaiah Jones, at linebacker, um, he reminds me of Mike, a young Mike McFadden. Maybe that's unfair, but he can play both positions. He's athletic. Um, obviously, comes from a great football state over there in Ohio. Um, I don't think he's a mid-year guy. I can't remember. There's so many. I can't remember which ones are or are not. Um, but he's – I don't think he – and then Dominic James. I said in the press conference, Indiana does not get D linemen like this. They just don't. Guys who – his athleticism – he played DN and IMG on a team loaded with D1 recruits. Um, he'll move inside, but – uh, he's a mid-year guy. I think he's a guy, especially with the losses they've had at D-tackle, he'll probably be a three-tech. Um, I think this is a guy that get in the rotation right away and be an impact player. Matt, with are there any more staff changes coming, or is this what Tom Allen's rolling with? I, I don't anticipate any more, but people still – they weren't bought in on Walt yeah. Bell. They're still not bought in on on Darren Hiller as the O-line coach. Um, is this it for staff changes? Well, our guy, our guy Don Fisher, asked him straight up that Wednesday at signing day, and he indicated that they're done with staff changes. So, yep. you know, I'm, I, I don't, you know, I don't think anything like that's ever written in stone, but. I don't get, I don't get the, and I said that when, when, when the only change they made after the season was Nick Sheridan, I kind of said on our board, I don't anticipate anymore. It doesn't mean there won't be, but I have no reason to believe at this time. And I still don't that there's going to be any more staff changes. I know that's going to make some fans unhappy, but I just think that's kind of where it is. I, I, I don't anticipate anybody else unless they leave on their own, I guess, or maybe something happens during spring ball. But I mean, I think that would be unlikely. I think this is the staff they have now is who they'll go into the, 2022 season with in that's a tough sell for fans but let's look at the roster on the offensive line a little bit um with these younger guys uh tj who excites you on this offensive line as as younger players And, and matt same question to you yeah i for me there are several guys but uh, looking at the incoming freshman class, I think all three that you have coming in project as, you know, quality starters. Um, unfortunately, that is not likely for 2022. Uh, it's just 
you know, you, you should not have to play true freshmen unless they are, you know, five-star guys. You shouldn't have to play true freshmen uh, in the Big Ten along that position. Um, and if you do, it's probably going to be some real growing pains there. Um, but I, I, of those three, particularly Bray Lynch, uh, stands out to me just because of the level of football he's coming from uh, in, you know, big school football in Texas. Uh, and, and he's the starting left tackle on a team that, you know, plays power five defensive linemen every week. Um, I think he's very intriguing, uh, of the guys that are already on campus. Um, you know, I, I think that I'm excited about a number of them. Khalil Benson, um, uh, a player that I believe there's understandable high hopes for, um, I think that Randy Holtz and uh, Cam Knight, I think, are both players that uh, have what you're looking for in terms of size. Um, I think from a physical profile, which is really all that I have to go off of, from a physical profile, IU has what you want um, in offensive linemen. They've kind of done a really nice job of getting the right size and the right measurables. Uh, for these guys, it's just they haven't performed. And a number of players that have now been in the program for two, three years, it's time for them to step up. I'm talking about like your redshirt sophomores, your redshirt juniors. Um, there should be opportunities for them to step into roles. That was my primary frustration with the line last year is that those guys, despite the struggles of the line as a whole, those guys still were not getting looks. And they were not getting live snaps. And that infuriated me because what was that current group doing to stay on the field? Uh, I thought that that was a time when you could have really gotten a look at a lot of these younger players and chose not to, uh, which to me was, was head scratching. Um, if I had to pick just two, uh, I would say Khalil Benson um, and then Randy Holtz are, are players that I just think have the size you're looking for. Uh, in Big Ten linemen, um, I I think that what IU has to find, and I was hoping that that would come in the portal, I think they need a uh, veteran interior player because I, I don't see a solution at guard on the roster right now. Matt, is there anybody um, in this recruiting class, I think there's only one coming in early, I think it's Carter Smith, uh, uh, for spring, is there anybody who might crack that that rotation this year coming in the incoming freshman class? Well, I I, I agree with TJ. I think it's that that's probably the hardest position for freshmen to play um, O line, just because typically you're in high school. If you're that size, you're bigger and stronger than anybody you play against. You could probably play it, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent effort and still get by. Um, the guy that if there was one player in this class I wish could have enrolled earlier would have been DJ Moore because physically he's 6'5", 315. Physically, you know, he's the size you're looking for. Um, and he's just, a, you know, a, a, a massive human being. And it would have been nice to get him in early because I think he could have come in and competed for, you know, a guard spot. I agree with TJ where, um, you know, as far as the older guys, there does not appear to be a solution at guard. You know, what will be interesting to me is if Luke Haggard comes back, do you – do you obviously he'd be a tackle would do you keep Bedford yep. a guard or do you move him back out to right tackle 
Um, and if you do that, obviously, you know, you're kind of – and not that Matthew Bedford was great at guard because everybody struggled, but you're kind of robbing, you know, Peter to pay Paul. So who's the, who plays guard yep. if you do that? I'm guessing Zach Carpenter is your center, you know, on paper. Um, a couple of young guys. I, I like the ones that TJ mentioned, Cam Knight, um, Randy Holtz, um, and uh, Khalil Benson. Be- Benson's a guy, maybe he could be a guard. I know and we got to see a little bit of practice. I, I remember him, I think it was right tackle. Um, but maybe, you know, does he go into guard if you, if you feel okay about tackle? If Aiden Rafferty is back, um, he's got another year of eligibility. And it's not a free year. He has it already. Um, a couple other young guys I'm interested in, Vinny Fiacable and Josh Sales. Josh Sales um, looked like the backup left tackle, at least on road games. When they would come out on the field for warmups, he was the backup left tackle. So uh, maybe that was yeah. some in- injury related, but he's a guy that I think has a chance to be pretty good. Um, you know, Carter Smith is intriguing because, you know, he's not far from being ready physically. I think he's 285. Playing volleyball is uh, really interesting for a big guy like that. Shows you how he has athleticism and, and, and um, you know, the ability to move around. So if he can get on the net, get the necessary weight, maybe he can work his way in. But TJ's right. The guys in the program have got to develop and be better. I mean, you can't expect 19-year-old guys to come in and save your offensive line unless they're just so – unbelievably good you know that they could play anywhere you know they're just they're just unique physically and all that kind of stuff and there are those guys but they typically end up at Alabama or Ohio State or somewhere like that but even then they still have to register a lot of times at those schools so you need your older guy this is one position where development and 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 having waves of guys one after another is so important and wide receiver you can play younger guys at skill positions a lot of places you play younger guys O-line, you've got, you've got to develop, guys. If you have a lot of misses on the O-line in a couple of classes, you're really, really hurting. You're going to be in trouble. I don't want to say Indiana's had a lot of misses, but right now it looks that way. Um, they need some of these yep. guys, like TJ said, redshirt sophomores, redshirt juniors, to just be better. they got to play better. they got to be coached better. They've got to develop better because otherwise you've got a massive hole on your roster and you're just going to be continually scrambling to fill that hole. It's never, ever going to get fixed until you bring in freshmen, develop them, and they go through the process like it's supposed to be done. And they, you know, they, as they get it, go up each year, each class, they get better and better and better until maybe as redshirt sophomores or some guys may be younger, but you're, if, by the right time you're a redshirt junior, if you're not really playing a lot, there's an issue in my opinion. Yep. yep. I, uh, I do think I do think that Walt Bell's offense, if it's run the way that I think it's going to be, which is kind of a power spread, uh, which, you know, that's just a, a catch all term. It doesn't necessarily define what he's going to do. I'm sure that there's going to be multiple looks. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that we've seen with Walt Bell's previous offenses, plus how we've seen them recruit so far with the additions of, of the speed guys that they have. Uh, and the you know the tight ends we've seen him bring in, I, I think that one of the perks of that is it allows you to utilize the edge more and maybe take some of the burden of interior interior run blocking off of the offensive line. Um, it kind of shifts how or what you are expecting from those offensive linemen, um, and, and I think potentially this is hopeful admittedly um but potentially one of the perks of this new offensive system is a little bit less reliance on the type of blocking that iu attempted to do last year 
they didn't do very much of it. So I, I wouldn't say that they really accomplished it, but um, that was kind of their philosophy last year was a certain type of interior blocking, which this new offensive scheme, I think is going to call for more on the edge, um, more pulling from the offensive linemen and, and just a, a different emphasis of what you're looking for when you line up um, and what the plays are calling for the offensive linemen to do. And who knows, you know, maybe some of the guys on IU's roster are going to be better at that than they were at what they tried to do last year. Uh, that's potentially a stretch on my part and being a bit too optimistic, but I think it's possible that we see a different scheme amount to a better looking offensive line just because they're being asked to do different things. I think TJ makes a good point. And I think it goes back to the, the running backs that they brought in. Let's be honest, the last four years, you've not had a running back where you were probably super comfortable trying to get him outside the tackles. Stevie Scott was not that guy. And Stephen Carr really wasn't. I think when you bring in a Sean Shivers, a Jalen Lucas, a Jabron Payne, guys who have more burst, you can maybe run more things like what TJ's talking about, get them outside the tackles. I think the other thing, the big thing for me is, is Walt Bell, is Walt Bell going to be allowed to run tempo? And when I say that, Tom Allen's kind of bit, you know, he's a guy that doesn't want to, and I get it as a defensive guy, but I think tempo is one way where you can make a mediocre line above average. Yep. Because I think if yep, you get a yep. defense on their heels and you play fast. Now, here's the flip side of that. You're probably going to need more than five old linemen who can play because you're going to be if you're playing faster, guys are going to get tired. Hopefully conditioning is OK, but you're probably going to need six, seven, eight, maybe eight guys. So at times you may have to rotate some guys in because um, those are big guys running up and down the field. But I do think if, I think Kevin Wilson had the formula on offense. He just never figured it out on defense. I think tempo works. I'm OK with having some three and outs and getting your defense right back on the field. Because I don't think Indiana is a program. I think Tom Allen wants to play like Iowa. That's my opinion. When I say play like Iowa, is more ball control. Now, I don't think you can do that in Indiana consistently. That's, I just don't think so. I'm, it's just not – I haven't seen it in the last 20 years. I think you need to play a little bit outside yeah. the box. I think you need to play differently. Um, I, we don't like Purdue, but Jeff Brom has a very good offensive system. They don't run the ball great, and they put up numbers every single week, and they do it against some good teams. Um, they, and they, and they, they do things, their running plays are screen plays. They throw the ball out to the receivers on screens. Those are basically running plays. I'm hoping Walt Bell will do some of that and we'll play with tempo. Cause I think that can help an offensive line look better than what they really are. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, you know, you can't play three yards in a cloud of dust and rely on your defense in college football anymore. I, and you saw Nick Saban who 10 years ago was complaining about tempo totally revamped his offense, brought Lane Kiffin in. And mm -hmm. now it's, you know, you have to have a defense because you can't give up 40 points a game, but you need an offense to score at least 30, um, at least 30 points a game to, to get anything done. Anyway, Matt, thanks yeah. for joining us on, uh, on this cold uh, Monday, Monday. Um, final question for me, spring practice kind of gets overlooked and, and shoot away as, you know, meaningless, unimportant. How important is this spring class, especially, or spring practice, especially if they bring in a new quarterback um, and, and things like that? I think with a new coordinator uh, and, and a lot of new pieces, spring practice, and I think it's been two or maybe three years since they actually had a spring game. Um, just how important is it to get a full spring practice and hopefully get a spring game 
uh, in April? I think this is huge. I mean, I, I think that with the guys you brought in, some of the guys you brought in last year have redshirted. Um, you know, I think this is a big spring um, at a number of positions. Obviously, we talked about offensive line, but defensive line with the new faces at running back and receiver, there's going to be some new faces. So, you know, when, and they didn't they didn't have the benefit. This is the first time in a few years we didn't have the benefit of those bowl practices, which is kind of like a second spring. Um, they didn't get that this year. So I think this spring is going to be – I mean, there are, spring ball is always important. I mean, I think some people kind of gloss over it, but it's always really, really important. Um, but this spring is going to be even more important, in my opinion. Sorry. Home phone was ringing. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be huge, and it's going to be important for them to really get a, their top – 50, 55 guys, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think the spring's going to be, we haven't talked about special teams. I know that's always a favorite of yours. You know, um, you know, they're said, you know, punter, they got those guys come back, but, you know, getting James Evans more comfortable punting. He, there were times he looked good. And there were times he looked like he didn't know what he was doing. So it's just across the yeah. board, all phases, all positions. I said it, when you're coming off a two and 10 season, other than Taiwan Mullen and maybe a couple other guys, nobody has a set spot every job should be wide open for competition. Nobody played good enough last year to, to feel comfortable in their job. Taiwan to me is an exception. Maybe there's one or a couple other guys that the Cam Jones comes back because those guys have proven themselves. But other than that, there should be a lot of competition across the board on this team because you were two and 10. Nobody should be written in ink as a starter. I agree. Well, thank you, TJ. Thank you, Matt, for joining us on this Monday. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle as well. Uh, you can read all of Matt's uh, Matt Weaver stuff on peeves.com. Uh, be nice to him on the board as well. Uh, are any final thoughts, TJ? No, it's, it's just an incredible class and, uh, you know, very, I know that there were a lot of doomsday, uh, you know, posters all over the internet talking about, well, we're lost lost the games are going to lose the class the programs in shambles it's all for naught shut it down uh you know predictable internet crap um but i i think it's nice to be able to actually take a step back uh, and just evaluate the types of players indiana's bringing in not just the quality of these guys when you look around at the offers and the schools that iu beat out for them uh, which you know is very encouraging but the types of players that they are as well. Like I mentioned, the speed on offense, that's exciting to think about being able to get those guys on the field, figure out ways to get them the ball in space and see what they can do. Um, that's, that's to me um, kind of the most exciting part about this is envisioning how these guys are going to end up being utilized. Every reality of it is that a decent number of this class as excited as we are, a decent number of these guys aren't going to do much at IU. That's just the way it goes. Uh, but no, I think some of them as early as 2022 are going to have a big impact on the type of season I use able to have. Um, and I hope that with Walt Bell's new offense, the newfound uh, speed that they've got that they're bringing in from the transfers and from the freshmen. Uh, I hope that we can actually have an offensive product that doesn't feel like we're going for a root canal for three and a half hours every <laughs> Saturday. Uh, trying to watch them move the ball up and down the field um, and more often than not failing miserably at doing so. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about what uh, those guys can do. And on defense, 
you know, I think you're bringing in a, a number of guys to a defense that we already feel pretty good about. Uh, if the offense can support them a little bit uh, and keeping the depth on that side of the ball and improving it uh, really at all three levels, I think it was a success uh, on all fronts. The only exception being you know, the lack of a quarterback, which is what we're going to continue to follow uh, here in January, because obviously that's a big position. Uh, it's very important. And I know Matt's going to be covering those visits when they come up. And um, I'm very interested to see kind of who they get um, and whether or not that person can beat out somebody like a returning veteran, Jack Tuttle, if he can stay healthy or Donovan McCauley that has those tools uh, but needs that experience and really desperately needs that spring practice. Uh, I think that's going to be kind of the most important battle to watch as we head into 2022. So um, I'm excited about it. I think it's a good class that IU desperately needed to get some positivity back into the program as we start to count down towards whoever the season opener might be, whether that's Northwestern or, um, you know, they move that game around or, or whatever. But uh, I want to thank Matt for coming on and thank everybody for listening to us all year. Wasn't the easiest podcast to host some weeks, but uh, we got through it and hopefully a positive off season with the, this class. Yep. As long as it wasn't a three and a half hour root canal kind of podcast, we, we tried <laughs> to limit it to only a 45 minute root canal. Um, so, but thank you guys for, for hopping on and uh, all those things. You can follow us on Twitter again at Hoosier underscore huddle. And the website is HoosierHuddle.com. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... 
There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Comfortable. 